just want to give a cue for the youth. Feel free to get up right now, and um, you can get up and stand out and, and head out to the back. Um, so if you're 11 to 15 and 16 to 18, feel free to go have some fun and, and encounter God for yourself. We're having fun. We're having fun too. Don't worry. There's fun here as well. All right? You're going to do me a favor just before we start. Um, you're going to turn to somebody who's next to you, um, and uh, you're going to give them one compliment. Right? The person whoever's next to you, turn to them, just give them one compliment. Say something nice about them. Yeah? Just one compliment. Yeah? Yeah. Wow, you guys are giving serious compliments. <laughs> All right, brilliant. You know, church, church is where we come to spread cheer and joy and to give love. So never forget that. All right. I'm not going to tell you what my talk is about quite yet. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what my talk is about. But I want to sow a seed in your mind, and I want you to keep that seed in your, in your mind. And hopefully, by the end of this talk, I'll be able to come full circle and tell you um, what it's all about. There's a parable in, in, in Matthew. We're not going to turn there, but I'll just tell you what it says. In Matthew chapter 22. And it's the parable of the wedding banquet. And in this parable, it explains a king who sends out all these invitations um, to all these different noblemen to come to a, to a banquet uh, that's a wedding feast for his son. And all these people give excuses and say, listen, I can't show up, this and that, all that stuff. And so finally the king gets vexed and upset and he says, you know what? Go and find anyone you can find and tell them I've, I've spread out the best meal that the kingdom has to offer. Let them come. And so a whole bunch of people come. And then it ends with this phrase that has bugged me for a very long time and bugged me for a long time in my Christian faith. And it's this phrase that says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. And that bugged the rubbish out of me. Right? And I'm going to leave you with that thought. Leave it, it bugging you for a little while as I do this talk. Hopefully you can still focus and we'll come full circle. So many are called, but few are chosen. Me and my wife... Um, have gone through um, this phase of watching this new series on, um, it's actually not on TV, you can catch up um, on demand. And has anyone been watching the series The Chosen, which is the series about like um, Jesus' life and the Gospels? And so we started watching it, and like, you know, because of things like Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff, we've got into what we would call the binge culture, you know what I mean? You want all the series and you want them now, you know, and you just find a day where you just sit down with some popcorn, well, maybe this is just me, and, and you just watch everything you can right there and then. And so me and the missus decided, you know what, yeah, we're going to watch The Chosen, and so we put it on, and something happened to us. We couldn't binge watch it. I kid you not, after every single series, me and my wife are like in tears. Do you know what I mean? And I don't, I don't cry cute, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's serious. Like, we're bawling. You know, we're crying. And, and, and it's like, we literally have to stagger the series. We can't watch it all at once. Because it's almost like we need time to recover, right? And I don't know whether it's because of, 
uniquely what me and my wife in the season we've just come out of. I don't know because it, whether it's a, uniquely because of our life circumstances, but something happens to us as we're watching this series that's portraying the life of Jesus in a way that I think is the closest portrayal to Christ that I think he would have probably been like. Um, bless God for all the other stuff that was done by Hollywood prior, but it's always a bit stiff, you know what I mean? Jesus is approachable in this one. And something happens when you see the backstory to all these miracles that Jesus does and did. And all of a sudden, you can't help but just, just imagine Jesus showing up at your front door and just healing you if you're sick. Or Jesus just showing up in your most desperate moment of need. And just being Jesus. Just doing what he can do. And we are always completely and utterly left undone. As we watch this. Because the Bible says, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. There is a blessing for those who have not physically seen the Lord. And yet believe. But oh, one day, we're going to behold him. One day, we're going to see him with these physical eyes. And I think that's what the series evokes, the sense of touching him and seeing the one I have worshipped and longed for all my days. He's right there. And I don't know whether you've ever been through something in life where you feel, Jesus, I wish you were just physically here right now. Has anyone ever just felt, felt like that? Or you go through stuff and it's like, oh man, if Jesus was here, he would know what to say. He would just know what to say. He would know what to do. And so I want to pose a theological question to you. And I think it's the question that these emotions evoke. And it's a theological question that my kids always ask me. Kids ask deep theological questions, you know. I've got four children and the, some of my greatest theological points have come out just having conversation with kids because they ask profound questions. And I have learned that if you can't explain it to a child, then do you really know it? So I'm always trying to figure out how can I explain this? But I want to ask a simple theological question. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? I'm actually going to give you an opportunity again. Please don't talk too long. Just ask your neighbor, where is Jesus? And just turn to your other neighbor and say, have you got his WhatsApp? I'd, I really love it. If Jesus rings during the service, feel free to interrupt me. Just pass me the phone. <laughs> yeah? And while I'm asking that theological question, where is Jesus? Because I know many of us here could answer it quite eloquently from Scripture. I'm even personally experienced, where is Jesus? I want to throw in this. Um, it's John chapter 16 and verses 5 to 7. John chapter 16 verses 5 to 7. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? <laughs> Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. So the disciples are saddened because Jesus is saying he's going. 
He's going. And it's like, they're filled with grief. Because he's saying, I'm going. And it's like, this is not what we thought the plan was. You're not supposed to go. We had plans for you, Jesus. And he says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus here, sometimes, you know, I, I read stuff in the Bible and I'm like, you know what? Jesus, I don't know, man. I would have kind of liked it if you had stayed, you know? I kind of would have liked you being around, you know? But Jesus says, no, no, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. Where is Jesus? Well, ironically enough, Paul begins to answer this question in the passage we just read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4. He actually opens with trying to help us understand where Jesus potentially could be. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So straight away, Paul introduces this crazy concept and I'm going to call it a crazy concept, and it's what is going to open up this three-part series that we're going to be talking about for the next um, three Sundays, which is on the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, says there is one body, one spirit, and then in verses 5, if we can just throw up verses 5 there as well. He then goes on to mention all these other, I call them the other ones. He talks about the one baptism, the one father, the one hope. Now, the reason why this is a problem for me when I read this at first insight is because all of these things are actually real. There is one father. There is one baptism. There is all these one, there is one spirit. So when Paul throws in and says there is one body, I have a problem because all of us, and for many years I've read that as this is an illustration. He's trying to give us a, a picture of something. He's literally mentioning that there is a body. And there is one body. And it's like, what? Paul, are you being, are you being illustrative or are you being literal? Well, all the examples of Paul gives of everything else that is one is literal. There is literally one Father. There is literally one Holy Spirit. There is literally one baptism. And I'm here to submit to you that there is literally one body. It is literal. It is not a picture. It's not just an illustration. There is one body. Where are you going with this, Andrew? This is where I'm going. Something happened... When Jesus died. You know, every, when you're a Christian, you, you, know, you have this thing of, I've heard the gospel. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Jesus died for my sins and died to make me right with God. And now I, 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 can, you know, I can spend eternity with God and I can walk with God. And you think you know it. But every so often you pick up the Bible and you look at it again and you're like, snap, crackle and pop. It's like, it's like I didn't know that. I, 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 I didn't know that. 
And it's like, it, the cross is just the gift that keeps on giving. Just when you think you've figured out the cross, you look, you turn around again, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know the cross did that. And something happened when Jesus, who walked planet earth in a physical body, healing the sick, raising the dead, something happened when the moment of the cross happened. When he died and rose again in his physical body, something shifted. And Paul begins to elude to that. And I'm happy to even call it a mystery because I can't wrap my head around it. But Jesus' body ceased to be his. Jesus' body ceased to be his. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 15, in, in one of the verses we just read, we read it, maybe you might have missed it, but let's just go look at it again. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 15. It says this, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. When Jesus died and rose again, he became the head of his body. Where is the rest of his body? Look at your neighbor and say, I look good, don't I? <laughs> this Jesus swag looks good on me, right? When Jesus died, his body ceased to be his and it literally became ours. And just in case you think, when, Andrew, where are you pulling all this stuff from? Yeah? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24, it says this. This is Paul reiterating the last supper in 1 Corinthians. But he says it in a very interesting phrase. Listen to this. He says, he says and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. On the cross, Jesus didn't just have his body broken for us. He literally gave us his body. And all of you guys are like, I, okay, I hear you, Andrew, but what's the point? The point is, where is Jesus? Where are you, Jesus? Jesus' body is now ours. And all of a sudden, certain verses in the Bible start to make a lot more sense. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? For him to forsake you is to forsake Jesus' body. Just as I have a physical body and my spirit fills this body, Jesus has a body and his spirit fills it. And so Jesus will never, or the Holy Spirit will never leave you because you are part of his body. For him to forsake you would be forsaking Jesus. This is also why we have the authority to pray in Jesus' name. Because it's his body praying. 
when we pray for things, it's not just Andrew trying to pray. It's literally as if Jesus himself is praying. And that's why we end it in Jesus' name. I say all of this to say, Jesus never really left. He just changed state of existence. His head is in heaven, and the rest of his body is on planet earth. And you are looking at that body. Well, not me, but if you look around, yeah, all of us. And I'm saying this because as I sat there watching the chosen, longing to experience the Lord. It dawned on me that there's many people in Broccoli, in your workplace, in your community, that are longing to experience Jesus and you are the representation of Jesus to that very community. We are the body of Christ. Now, believe it or not, all that was an introduction. And, and you're probably thinking, like, what the heck? If that's the introduction, what's the main part? Um, all that was an introduction. And, and, and I had to say all of that to really come to the, to the main point of what I want to talk about. Because I think the questions that probably run, and, I, and this happens to me a lot, is whenever I read these fantastical things in Scripture, these amazing truths, and I'm like in awe and wonder, and I'm like, my goodness, we are the body of Jesus. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm still trying to multiply some KFC. If you figured out that party trick of how Jesus multiplied food, please tell me, right? I'm practicing in my bath how to walk on water. I haven't had any success. If any of you figure it out. But my point is what? Jesus also said this, you will do greater works than even me. And I'm like, what? Why? Because Jesus was saying, I'm still around, but in a different form. And we are going to do greater works. Than even I did walking the earth. And I'm saying all of that to come to this point, because the question I have, Andrew, if this is the case, then I'm sure if Jesus physically was in broccoli, things might look a bit different. Don't, yeah, am I right in saying that? Am I right in saying that? If Jesus physically was in your community, I think things would be a bit different, don't you think? So then the question becomes, is if this is true, if this is what the scripture is saying, if this wondrous thing you've just told us is actually true, then why does it look a bit different to the gospels? Because the Bible tells us, that the body has to be in a certain state in order to fully function in the fullness of who Jesus is. And that's what I want to talk about. Why is the body not as effective? Because the first thing everyone in the body has to do is literally in the first verse we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4. I don't know whether you caught it. Paul is mentioning about the one body 
or one spirit. And then he says this statement. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, to your call. I was called. I'm called. I'm called. I have a call. You are called. I don't know whether you've ever considered this. You have been called. There is a call on your life. There is a call that has gone out from eternity. From the father of fathers. And it's running and chasing after you. There is a call. And the question becomes, will you respond to that call? Now, I'm going to tell you what the call is. The first call, the call is twofold. Yeah? And we don't have time to turn there, but you can go in your, in your homework and read this. It's Mark, Mark chapter 3, verse 14. This is Jesus when he called the disciples. He says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them to preach. The call is twofold. The first part of the call is to be with Jesus. Just to be with him. Just to spend time with him. Just to be in love with him. And for him to pour his love over you. And I love this because for many years I used to think that he called the disciples because he was trying to train them up so that they would do what he would do once he had left. And, and I would think, and one day I read this and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't think I've seen that before. He called them so that they would be with him. That's the first part of the call. Do you know Jesus? Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to love you. And he wants to feel loved by you. That's the first part of the call. And then the second part of the call is serving the world with Jesus. And do you know what? I'm telling you what literally happened to me. When I became a believer, I actually became a believer when I was very young. I was raised in a Christian household. Um, and, um, but God was almost like the God of my parents. Yeah? Do you know what I mean? He wasn't my God. And at 12 years old, I dramatically gave my life to Jesus. And it was just at the right time. It was just at the right time because uh, the area I came from, schools that I went to, all that, the, the, there were so many directions I could have gone in. And God knew what he was doing to call me at 12 years old. And I fell passionately in love with Jesus. Passionately. I mean, I was... I was one of those weirdos. <laughs> if I look back, if I'm honest, <laughs> I mean, as I, be, I look back at myself, you know, when you just cringe and you're like, Jesus, I hope I did some good representation of you because I, I look back at some of the things, but I was passionately in love with Jesus. In fact, sometimes I still meet my friends from high school, and the question they ask me is, Are you still on that God thing? <laughs> That's the question they ask me. Are you still on God? Are you, do you still love Jesus the way? And I'm like, Yes, I do. Because it was just, I was just passionate in love with Jesus. And then I, was, I would spend time with Jesus. And I'd say, Jesus, I love you. And he would say, he loves me back. i said, Jesus, I love you. And it was just beautiful. Just like, oh, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bromance, right? We were just loving one another, right? And, and then all of a sudden, this, this hunger in me built up where it was like, 
I had a passion for people. And I'm like, Jesus, I love you, and I want to do something for your people. I want to do something about the issues I'm seeing. Because if you were here, things would look different. And this is what he says to Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus looks at him and says, feed my sheep. And he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. Because once that cycle of loving God and being loved by him, loving God, once you are filled to the brim with that cycle of love, it overwhelms and you must give it out. Or else you burst. You have to give it out. And this is the purpose of the body. To overflow with the love of Jesus to our communities and to our world so that the world will never have to ask, where is Jesus? I was told this incredible story, and I've got to start wrapping things up. I was told this incredible story, but... Um, it's somebody who, uh, this is actually literally his, his own words, not, not mine, but he's part of the Church of Satan. And in case you're wondering, yes, there is something called the Church of Satan in, in America. And he was telling his story. And he was saying he was doing a whole bunch, um, he, he was doing a conference talking about how the church is spreading in America. And um, he says he was met by this woman after he had done this talk. And he says this woman... I don't know, in this conversation, was having a, showed him, decided to give him a hug. And he said, I can't explain it to you, but I felt love like I've never felt it before. And he was, he was like, I was trying to, trying to not, re but he says, I just felt this love. And so he says, he went back to his, his, uh, his, um, the, the community who are trying to spread this church in America. Um, and he says he was trying to do some rituals, his words, not mine. I'm telling you his testimony. To try and conjure up uh, a sense of what's happening in the area. And he says as he was doing the rituals, he had a vision of Jesus. Literally, Jesus showed up in his vision. And he says, all, and he could feel something coming from him. This intensity. And he said, it was the same love that the woman he had hugged had exuded. That very same presence and love that was literally coming from the Christ in his vision had come from a lady who had stopped to say, I don't care that you are from Whatever you're doing, I'm here just to show you Jesus. You can show Jesus more than you dare imagine. Because we are his body. And so how do you respond to such a message? And, and what is the right response? Well, Jesus says this, or Paul teaching us in Ephesians 4, verse 7. 
says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So again, just when you think the cross is done and hasn't stopped giving, right? There's more, right? When Jesus died and rose again, he rose again and gave gifts. He gave gifts. And this is a picture in the ancient world. Whenever great kings would conquer certain regions, what they would do, and this alludes to this when, you, when we read it, they would have a parade in which they would take all the captives of that nation or that city in which they had conquered. And it usually would be the champions of that city just to show that we conquered. We are more victorious. And so Jesus leads a procession, but this procession is with all the principalities and the evil spirits that had tried to control mankind. And he's saying, I have conquered them. I am victorious over them. And what would typically happen is they would take the spoils and give them out as gifts. Right? And so Jesus says, it's literally a picture of a conquering king that, that Paul is here describing. And Jesus gave gifts. And you know what the thing is? Every single one of us got a gift. And the gift was simply called grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is a two-sided coin. On one side, it's got unmerited favor. God says, I like you. Why, God? I just like you. <laughs> I just love you. You're just great. Look at you. I mean, you're amazing. That's unmerited favor. God just likes me. I don't know. I can't explain it. But on the other side is I like you. And I want to empower you to do what you can't do. That's the other side of grace. So Paul says, by grace, we have been saved. Not by works. I don't have to do anything to earn it. But at the same time, he says, by the grace of God, I worked harder than all of you. So the grace of God doesn't just give you favor before God. It empowers you to do the impossible. And Jesus says, when he died and rose again, he gave each one of us grace. But the Bible says this, and it's potent. Paul says this. Some of you have received the grace of God in vain. That's very potent. It means you have this amazing gift to do the impossible. To change communities. To change cities. To change your family. Not in your own power or ability, but through the spirit flowing through you as it flows through the body. And he says many of you received that gift in vain. Because you've done nothing with it. And so, as I'm rounding up today, I want to ask you a question. What are you doing with your gift? With your grace? What are you doing with it? Because the only way we can come into the fullness of Jesus like he operated on earth and even more is if all of us get involved. It's, it takes a body effort. Listen, when I need to have a bath, right? My, my toe can't protest. The whole body has to go. I can't leave my toes in the bedroom chilling, right? Uh, we have to work as a body, right? Are you with me? Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be if your arm decided to protest? That, Listen, no, I'm not going to Sainsbury's to do shopping. I want to chill and watch Netflix. We would have an issue, wouldn't we? The body has to cooperate. 
because we are one body. And so God says, in order to help the body, I have given these, three these five specific graces. And it's called the five-fold, it's usually, people know it as the five-fold ministry. But it's actually deceptive in its term, and I'll tell you why I'm saying that. He says, so Christ himself has given the apostle, the pioneers, the architects, people who think strategically at a very high level. The prophets, those who look into spiritual, spiritual books and say, this is what God is up to and wants to do on planet earth. He's given the evangelists, the marketers. Yeah? Evangelists are basically marketers. They market the faith. They make the faith say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Right? These are evangelists. They make the gospel easy and people would say, I want to buy into that. It makes a lot of sense. The evangelists, the pastors, those who nurture. When, when you don't have pastors around, my, you don't feel love. Pastors have a way of making you feel love. Does anybody you know pastor friends? I have friends who are like pastors. Whenever I'm just around them, I just feel so much love. I just feel like, man, I feel love. Those are the pastors, the nurturers. And then they're the teachers, those who teach and help us to understand complex things so that the body might be built up. But also, listen to this. He appoints these guys not that they may do ministry. I read it for years like that. It doesn't say that. What does it say? He said he appoints all of these to equip his people for works of service. If the fivefold ministry does its job well, it's not them that does the work. It's the body that does the work. What are you doing with your grace? I think I'm done. Can we all stand up? So, some of you are probably still saying, Andrew, 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 Andrew. You, you, you remember you said the, 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 the parable at the beginning. Many are called, few are chosen. Yes, and here is the round trip. For years I read that, and I would go before God and say, Lord, please, I want to be one of the chosen. What must I do to be one of the chosen? Many are called, but few are chosen. God, I want to be part of the chosen. Until one day the Lord said, read it again. I said, I've read it. I want to be one of the chosen. Read it again. I've read it, Lord. I want to be one of the chosen. He says, read it again. And it clicked. The chosen are those who simply said yes to the call. In God's kingdom, you don't have to do anything special to be chosen. You simply have to say yes. I want to use my grace. I want to use it, God, yes. That's how you get chosen. Nothing special. You don't have to be part of any special club. You just have to respond with a yes. And so with that, I want us to close our eyes and, and bow our heads. And if you can, put out your hands. Um, we just simply do this, not because there's any specific magic, but it's a posture of openness, but it's also a posture of receiving. And I believe God wants to give us some good stuff today. But I would love for us to ponder this question. What am I doing with my grace? If we could have somebody from the worship team just to play something, that would be great.
I really, really want you to consider that question. I'm going to give us time and a bit of space just to really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I sense some of you are saying, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not anything special, Andrew. I don't really have much to offer. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. You matter. You matter. And when you play a part, things change. You're not just a number. You are known. You are loved. And I want to give an opportunity. If you feel in your heart a yes to God, and it can be in whatever way, but you feel a yes to God, and you're saying, yes, I want to say yes. I want to say yes to the gift that are in me. I want to say yes. And maybe you've already said yes, but you feel there's a higher yes. And that's happened to me. Sometimes I've said yes to a certain level, but you feel there's a tugging for, a, for even a higher yes. I'm saying yes to whatever you have for me, for that grace. I want you to do something. I want you to come out to the front and just say yes, Lord. And as you coming out to the front, it's almost like a response to you saying, I am saying yes to the grace. Whatever, however small, however big, or whatever level, you know. But if that's you, I want you to feel free just to come out to the front as a sign and just say yes to God. to find just want you to have your hands open and literally just say yes to Jesus some of you are saying yes because you didn't know how incredible you are and how gifted you are and the fact that Jesus has given you gifts and today those gifts are going to start to unravel in a special special way those who know how to minister as we do here at St. Peter's just to come and we're going to feel somebody praying for you and they're simply just going to be praying over your yes and releasing more of God and more of the precious Holy Spirit so if you know how to pray please do come and help us pray for people who are responding today for all of you guys who are at the front just literally just hands open just with an open heart of yes who are still waiting we're going to just sing a song of, of worship as we wait and God is going to God is going to stir up the gifts that are in you 
through grace. Remember these gifts are not you trying. <laughs> They're a gift. They're free. And more prayer team, please. If you know how to pray, please do come to the front and help us pray. So yeah, those of us waiting, people are moving around to pray. So just stay in that place. If, if you're not having, if someone's not praying with you right now, that's okay. His his presence is here ministering to you. Just just wait on him. Wait on him. Those of us praying. You don't need to pray long prayers. If God speaks to you while you're praying, go for it. But just let's just keep moving around, blessing what God is doing here. Those of you who are not up the front, please just continue to worship, continue to uh, speak to God. He is moving here. We are going to officially come to a close for kids groups. So those uh, parents or carers who need to pick up children from Rockets and the kids groups, if you're not receiving prayer, could you go and do that? But those waiting at the front, please just stay here. I just want to officially uh, close uh, for those watching on YouTube. Thank you for joining us today, especially family and friends uh, supporting Josie. And um, we will see, hopefully see you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>